0: Uh, I have a little bit of a confession to make. Actually, it's kind of a big confession. I just need to get it off my chest. It happened Tuesday, and it's pretty embarrassing. In fact, I've told my brother, I I haven't even fully told my wife yet, so this is kind of my public confessional for you, uh, just to get it out there, so so Tuesday I was taking my kids to school, and on the way back, um, I was in traffic. You see, and, and as I was in traffic, there there's rules to being in traffic. You know this, right? Everybody understands, uh, especially merging. You know the merging rules. This means yes, this means no. Okay, let me help you out. The merging rule is, is is where I was at in this particular place in traffic. I didn't even have to let someone in, but out of the graciousness, the benevolency of my own heart, because I'm just that type of person, I wanted to make sure this car got in in front of me. But, but the merging rules are this. You let one car in, and you go every other, right? If you don't know this, you better start. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> But but, so I let this car in. I just looked down for a second, and the car right in front of uh, or right behind this person then sneaks and zooms right in. And I don't know what happened, okay? I, I don't know what came over me, but something did. Uh, and all of a sudden, I, my arm, just a natural reaction, just went like this. Boom! I karate chop straight to the center of my horn, uh, wheel right there. And, and it just stood there for, I don't know, a good 15 seconds, you see. Uh, and and then I let go of it, and I got this this kind lady, uh, decided to give me a one-finger salute for cutting me off, and, and then hit their brakes. And so then immediately, I broke, and then... My arm did this reaction again. I don't know what happened. And I honked, but, but okay, so it wasn't enough. Okay, I'm just, I'm just being honest, being real. It wasn't enough that I honked. I, I wanted this person to see my face. So I pull into the other lane and drive up right next to it. And this lady is yelling, Probably just some really kind words of like, bless your heart, and you're, you're a terrific driver, and I, if I could be a driver like you, then I wouldn't cut people off, and I have problems, and I don't know what she was driving. The windows were up, and they were saying, and so I looked, and, and then eventually our line of traffic went on, and, and I literally asked this question, where did that come from? I mean, I mean where did that come from? What was that all about? That's not me. That's not who I want to be. That's not the type of person that I, I, I want to become. Where in the world? As, as, if, as if like an alien took over my body and especially my arm, per se. And, and I mean, I didn't yell. I didn't do any salutes. Uh, but I'm like, where did that come from? You been there? You ever have that where, where all of a sudden in a moment you react? You're like, where where did that come from? Or 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 you say something that you're like, it just like came out and you're like, oh I can gotta get that back. Where in the world? And maybe it's maybe it's thoughts. You ever have that where you're you're in the middle of a conversation and then just that thought coming, you're like, where? Where? Where did that come from? Or or maybe this. You, you have this. Because why do I always? You ever have that? Where, where you're going, why do I always react in anger to him or to her? Why does he always just seem to be able to press my buttons or she seems to be able to press my buttons? Why do I always? What, what is it about, you know, I, I said I do at the front in the marriage and we're in love, but, but why do I always seem to put my foot in my mouth? Why do I always think those thoughts? Uh, This morning, Jesus is going to actually get to the very heart of the issue. He's going to talk about real specifically where that came from and why we always do that. Now, here's why it's so important. Because let me give you, for those who aren't married, a secret. If you're dating someone and you see in them, uh, where did that come from? Like, like you, ever, you ever been dating someone and you're, you're, you're kind of going along and they're Prince Charming or, you know, Princess Charming? I don't know. You, you know, and they're just like the most amazing, perfect person on the face of the planet. And then all of a sudden you go, where did that come from? Man, all of a sudden it's like, that's not the, that's not the guy. That's not the gal that I love. That's not the person that I'm falling in love with. Where did that come from? Here, here's what happens. Those moments of where did that come from when you get married become why do they always... Serious. Don't, don't trust me. Ask someone who's been married a while. They'll tell you. Man, that where did that come from turned into why do they always? And see, here's why this is so important. You and I will never be able to experience a meaningful relationship if we don't zoom in and begin to address the where did that come from and the why do I Always, Inevitably, what happens is our relationships, the things that matter most, the people that we love most, will deteriorate and will actually destroy them because of these things that we bring into the relationship. And Jesus, Jesus is going to answer one of those questions the question that i sitting in my car going like man where in the world did that come from that's not me because our natural tendency here's in in those situations our natural tendency is this when when we ask the where did that come from question our natural tendency is to dismiss it right it's just go exactly what i did that's not me that's not me Come on, no, no, that's not that big of a deal. It's not all that important. Where did that come from? And then or, or here's what we do. On the why do I always, we excuse it. We excuse it. Yeah, you, you notice that? Well, she made me do it. If 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 she didn't respond that way, if he didn't respond that way, if they weren't just annoying, you know, I mean their personality is just like annoying. If they weren't annoying, then I wouldn't always respond that way. In fact, we excuse it so we, we even, uh, you know, attach it to, like, our nationality. Well, why, do, why am I always angry? I'm Irish. I'm always angry because I'm Irish. Why are you always angry? Well, I'm Italian. I'm Latin. What? Do you, I mean, everyone has their, like, anger excuse based on where they come from. It's like, really? Okay. See, what we do inevitably is we either dismiss it, or excuse it and we never get to the heart of the issue and as a result what happens is then it begins to impact every area of life if you got your Bibles would you open them up to mark chapter 7 Jesus Jesus is going to get to the very heart of the issue uh, and tell us where all this came from uh, now you need a little bit of the backstory, so let me do a little bit of this Jesus is in the middle of an argument I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus got in arguments uh, and he had these religious leaders known as Pharisees show up on the scene and they're like really getting after Jesus around something that's uh, the Jewish law. And in the Jewish law, to be right with God and to be socially acceptable, you you had to practice and have certain practices. There, There are these cleanliness laws, but they weren't about hygiene. It wasn't about, you know, when we think about cleanliness, we think about hygiene. It's actually what you did externally that made you right with people and right with God to be a part of it. And so they had all these laws, I mean, to this day, about what you can eat and what you can't eat. Uh, How many times, I mean, a very devout Jew in that day would, would wash their hands and even wash their body multiple times throughout an entire meal and and what they they were so into this that they had these rules or laws from the old testament that then they would make rules about their rules and in fact if you go back it's what's known as the mishnah and it's the traditions and and this is the argument that they're having about not the old testament but the mishnah the the rules about the rules and so they're in this heated heated debate and Jesus is going to say something that that I I it won't hit us the way it, it hit them, but he's going to say it and then he's going to walk away. And when I read it, it almost reminds me of, a, of like someone who just like drops the mic, you know? Like I think like Jesus right here like literally dropped the mic. He's like talking. He he has this like big one-liner and then he's like out, you know? And he literally goes away. And it's amazing. And I pick it up right here and he's going to talk about where did that come from? Verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said. Listen to me. Everyone understand this. Don't miss this big conversation about the law, about cleansing, about being right with God. He says, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Okay? It's not about what you eat, rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. And then he doesn't explain it. He doesn't move on and he does this he drops the mic. And he walks away. And he just leaves that. And everyone's going, wait, wait a second. Our whole system, you don't understand. People have died by not eating certain kinds of food because they were invaded by, by all these people that were like forcing them to either eat your, this type of food or die. He's like, people, our people have died for this law. And you're saying nothing outside is going to defile them that comes in. And then you're going to walk away. And his disciples are a little bit like that too. They're going like, "Well what, what in the world is going on?" So after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable, and, and his response, "I, I don't know. I, I think Jesus might have been irritable. He, he's been confronted. He, his, his response to him, "Are you so dull?" Do you not still get it? Come on, guys, you've been walking with me for a couple years at this point. Now, do you not quite get it? Don't you see? And here he he begins to unpack it for us. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them, can, can, can make them impure? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out the body. Literally, that word there is um, toilet or latrine. He, very graphic, actually. He says it says it goes into your stomach, and then just it passes through. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Now, here, here's the heart of the matter. Uh, he went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from Within from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts, sexual immorality, that word right there is the Greek word pornea, or pornea, that's where we get our modern day word, obviously, porn. This word is just a big umbrella for anything that's outside the bounds of God's design sexually. God created sex, it's amazing, it's beautiful, it's awesome, God is not against or down on sex, but he has a beautiful plan for it. He says anything outside those bounds that's what it is. Porn, sex addicts, sex outside of marriage. It says that's that word. Theft, murder. In fact, Jesus would redefine murder. He said, if you have anger in your heart towards a brother, it's the same, it's counts sons the same as murder. Adultery, that's that's when you sleep with someone's wife. I just thought I'd explain that one because apparently we don't get that today. People are treating spouses like it's going out of style. Sorry, that wasn't even in the notes. I just kind of, sorry. Greed It's the love of having. I got to have this. I got to have new. I got to have next. I got to have. And if I don't have it, then I can't be who I am. Malice is the desire to harm. Deceit, deceit is taking advantage through craft and underhanded means. It's, I mean, no, no, no. It's just the way our business works. It's just the way this is. It, you don't tell the whole truth. You withhold to acquire the customer. It's just part of what we do in our industry. You don't understand. And he'd say, yeah, deceit, lewdness. In fact, the Greek understanding of this word is a disposition of the soul that resented d- discipline. It's just like I hate any type of discipline in my life. It's unrestraint. Envy. Look down on others. You can't be happy for someone. You see someone who's got something and you you're you're just envious of it. You can't enjoy or celebrate other successes. Slander, contempt for everyone else but yourself. That's what that word means. You just talk bad about people. Arrogance, it's all about you, folly. And then he says, all these evils come from inside and defile a person. Welcome to church. Be encouraged. Have a great day. Amen. See ya. <laughs> You're like, man, you know what? I want to come to next week, Ingram. You talked about even me. Even now, this one seems a little heavy. Heavy with hope. We're going to get to the hope part, okay? Here's, here's what Jesus is saying. It's so important. Don't miss this. He's saying, at the heart of the matter, what matters most is the heart. At the heart of the matter, what matters most in you, in your life, is your heart. And when he's talking about heart, obviously, he's not talking about the organ, the pump that's pumping blood all throughout your body. What he's talking about is that intangible part. And we use this language too it's the part that you fall in love with. It's the part when when you talk about something that you're really passionate, you would say you put your whole heart in it. It's the part that when something tragic happens, you say it breaks and it hurts. When the Bible talks about the heart, it talks about it as the center of who you are, the place uh, where you make all your decisions. It's, It's the center of your physical, emotional, spiritual life it is the place of motivation it's the place of deliberation it is the center or core of you if we cut you open we will not find it and yet and yet all of us would agree there is that intangible reality the core of who we are he says at the heart of the matter what matters most what matters most this not this exterior stuff he says is right here. And here's what's problematic. We don't talk about this. We don't unpack this. No one ever taught us to think about our heart, to unpack that as what's most important. We only know it for falling in love. And Jesus is going to say, hey, where did that come from? Heart. Why do you always? Heart. In fact, he says it this way. What comes out of a person originates from within a person. Saying, what comes out of you? Where did that come from? Said, right here. What comes out of you? Why why do I always... Says, you can't dismiss it. You can't make excuses for what comes out of a person. Jesus is going to say, originates, finds its origins right here in our heart. Think about it. Your words. In fact, Jesus in another place would say this. Out of the overflow of this, out of the center or the core of your being, of who you are, the place of deliberation, he would say, out of the overflow of your heart— the mouth speaks. And so you're like going, no, 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 I, 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 you know, I didn't mean for that. Ah, you're saying, where did that come from? Right here. Well, what, what about thoughts? Because thoughts are one of those things about you can kind of keep those and, and maybe people won't really know them. And maybe, I mean, the first thing in the list was evil. Thoughts. And you're like, where did that come from? And some of us have conversations about, uh, or about other people and where we're always winning this great debate and dialogue and we just put them in their place. I don't know, I'd never do that publicly, but I'm going to live it out and fantasize it all about right here. He says that here, what about actions? See, see, here's why this is so important. Where did that come from? Why do you always? What Jesus would say to you, you don't have a gossip problem. You have a heart problem. You don't have a cheating problem. You have a heart problem. You don't have a porn problem. You have a heart problem. I have a heart problem. And what we do, what we do so often is we try to fix the symptoms instead of focusing on the source. And what it creates, by the way, is really negative, bad things, especially in the context of church because church people do this. Church people are all about looking good without being good a lot of the times, That's what people who don't know Jesus are disgusted by. It's like, you know what? As long as you don't chew, you don't smoke, or don't go, go with girls who do, you're good and you fit a part of our crew, but you can have all the hatred and anger in your heart, and we're not even going to deal with that. See, so Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's a heart issue. It's the difference between behavior modification and heart transformation. Jesus did not come, by the way, to start a new religion. He came to bring a revolution of the heart. Let me unpack this behavior modification for you here. Behavior modification, and this is fundamentally what we teach our kids. This is fundamentally what you've been taught growing up. And, and, and we've been taught by our parents or by coaches or by... Um, by a teacher behavior modification seeks to bring out change from the outside stop that behavior you got a lying problem you got a cheating problem you got a got an alcohol problem you got whatever problem stop that behavior just stop doing that heart transformation seeks to bring out change from the inside saying no 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 that's a symptom that's going to show something on the inside that is an indicator on the dashboard of my life that reveals something is not right inside of me Doesn't make that action okay, but what it does is it reveals I have a heart issue, and it seeks to bring about change from the inside. Behavior modification filters your behavior. It filters your behavior, and we've learned this. We get really sophisticated about this because we learn, you know what, I can't act this way, and hold down a job. And so I'm going to filter that behavior. We don't actually take, uh, actually do anything with it. We just stuff it down. And, we, and, and there's those moments of, where did that come from? Why did I do this and honk at the lady? I mean, is it really that big of a deal that it got cut off? No. And not later, I, honestly, I mean, later I'm like, how bad would that have been if she, like, came to our church, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm the pastor. Cool. <laughs> It's just how we greet people, you know? It's just, uh, I was trying to say, hello, <laughs> lived in Chicago, and uh, I mean, we use our horn as a form of language there, and but we filter our behavior. We filter it and go, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna try to stop these sort of things and stuff it down, and the problem is, the problem is with the people that you love most and the people you're in closest proximity, your filter gets thinner, and that's why, The parts of you that shift from where did that come from turn into, in those deep relationships, why do I always? Because you begin to lose your filter. Heart transformation says, no, no, no. I'm going to monitor my heart. I'm going to monitor my heart. I'm going to begin to evaluate life all around me and realize that it reveals something deep in me. We ask the question in behavior modification this way: What am, what are you doing? Is fixed on all what you're doing, and then in uh, heart transformation, is how is your heart? And I don't mean that in the cheesy way. At, at one time, there were, people would ask this question. I remember a long time ago, and it was like it was like the way guys in the Christian world would like try to pick up girls, and it was really weird and creepy, and be like. How's your heart, you know? And it's like, shut up, you know? (laughs) Come on. Uh, And and, and it's like, no, I don't mean that in like the weird way. Here's what I mean. It's like, how is your heart really? How is what you're living out here, what you're saying, what you're thinking, revealing what's true of you in here? Because Jesus says, what he's saying is that what you always do and where did that come from? It came from right here. So you got to begin to monitor and ask this. This, by the way, as parents, for those of us who are parents, so important, so important, that we don't just do behavior modification, we realize it's a heart issue. My dad growing up, was big on this, and I mean, he kind of took it to an extreme. And so we, like growing up, every time my room was messy, my dad would go, "Well, and he was a pastor for those of you who don't know, still is." I was like, "Oh, room's messy, Yeah." Well, that's a spiritual issue. Like, really? My messy room? That's a spiritual issue? And I'm like, my room's still messy to this day, and I'm sorry, it's a spiritual issue. But, 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 the other day, or literally yesterday morning, Miles and the kids are watching Saturday morning cartoons. Miles is only four, by the way. And I literally hear this come out of his mouth. I got to read it because I got to get it just right. He's yelling at the TV, which is a cartoon, Right? We already know that. Just shut up and sing already. (laughs) But here's the reality. It reveals, our words reveal so much about our heart. And it's not enough for me as a dad to say, just don't do that. We've got to go back and go, okay, there's something going on in his heart. There's some things that we need to deal with, and they're talking. In fact, around the table and around bedtime, I started asking this question with my kid. How's your heart? Does anything make you sad? Anything that that, that you're wrestling with? Because I want to know the condition of their heart. At the heart of the matter, what matters most is the heart, Jesus says. What comes from... uh, You out of a person comes from within you. So what do we do with this? How do we, if we haven't been taught how to actually deal with our heart and begin to process this, how do we move forward? And what I call doing heart work. And heart work actually is hard work. But let me give you a couple ways uh, to do the heart work, to begin to monitor your heart. The first thing is we have to admit, admit we have a heart condition. We got to stop dismissing it as if it's not a big deal or it's not me. And we have to stop excusing it as if it is someone else's fault. And here's what I know. I know all of us have a different story. Here's what I know. I know some of you if you told us your story about what happened and where the abuse happened and what he did or what she did, we would hurt with you and we would cry with you and we we would say, "Man, you have every right to." And yet what you need to know what you need to know is out of the hurt heart and the damaged heart it's coming forth. And until you go, you know what, I I get that that was done to me, but I got to own that I, I, I have a heart condition. I can't move forward. I can't get healing and help. It's not a porn problem. It's a heart problem. It's not a gossip problem. It's a heart problem. It's not a cheating or lying or stealing or whatever your thing is. It's not a commitment problem for some of you guys who, ladies, you can say amen. Okay, We're wanting, it's a heart problem. The prophet Jeremiah said it this way, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Uh, this last Friday morning, this Friday morning, I was behind in my prep for the sermon. And and so, you know, we brought on a new staff member and helped him get him up, but I was about a day behind and I was really stressed out because I, I, I was like, oh man, and what I had wasn't very good. I'm like, oh, it's going to be bad. Uh, and so I normally have it done around Thursday ish, but Friday I needed to have it done. I had a meeting all day from 8 to 8 uh, Friday. Uh, and so I'm like, okay. So I got up at 4 a.m. Friday. And the reason I get up at 4 a.m. because no one else is awake at 4 a.m. and I don't get to be bothered by anyone and get to do my work. And so I woke up Friday, 4 a.m., I'm like, oh, yes, all right, I'm going to get after this. i got a few hours to knock this out and then i got to be in meetings and I'm like, okay, God, we're going to have this God time, it's going to be good and, and I'm going to get the, the message and people are going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, and, and, and my wife woke up at 4 a.m. I'm like, what are you doing up? It's 4 in the morning. Why? You don't wake up at 4 in the morning. And she was like, well, I am preparing for a prayer thing. And that happened at 6 a.m. I'm like, that's a terrible excuse. <laughs> prayer. Unbelievable. does not you know I'm going to preach the word of God? You know. And so I'm at my desk, and she's reaching over stuff and grabbing stuff and going in and out of the room and asking questions. And I'm just, like, getting so frustrated, and then I just felt like God's like, really, Ingram, really? You're going to talk on this, and you're going to sit here and justify why you're so perturbed. See, it's, it, it, it's not her problem. It's your problem, and you have a heart issue. In that moment I go, okay, God, it reveals more about me than it does about her. In fact, one person talked about marriage this way. He said, marriage doesn't just confront us with our spouse, and it's not so much the confrontation of our spouse as it is confronting us with ourselves. You got to admit, admit, I have a heart condition. And then now this, This is then to have a change of heart. Okay, I, I got a problem. I got a heart problem. The, the, the why do I always is seeping into my kids and I'm not reacting the way I want to react and, and I want to change desperately or, or my work life or, or where did that come from and, and the filter's getting thin I have a problem now, now have a change of heart See, Jesus came to bring about a heart change. For some in this room, you don't need just to have a like, hey, you need to have a heart transplant, okay? And the good news, the hope, is that's what he came to do. Jesus came to give you a new heart. And when you go, okay, God, I give my life to you, the first step to having a heart change is to say, I can't, change me, but you can. I can't change my heart, but God, you can do it in me. That is the very first step of having a heart change. When you finally go, okay, I'm going to stop trying to fix all this stuff. I'm going to allow that to show that there's a heart issue and God, I'm going to invite you. Would you change my heart and then whatever you show me, I'll do. Go, God, I got a heart problem. And this stuff's coming out and coming out here and it's hurting people closest and dearest to me. Would you show me what you want me to do and then I'll do it. And he's, For some, you, you have a heart problem around the area of what we're talking about, envy. You're discontent. You, you have this thing. And you know what he would say, the Bible would say? Say, practice thankfulness where you just begin to wake up every day and go, God, thank you for, I'm going to choose thankfulness. And as you do it, what it produces in your heart is a content heart because you're now reorientating your heart towards thankfulness. Some of you, now we wouldn't, wouldn't identify, but some of you are greedy. In fact, I would say almost all of us are, but we just don't like that word. We're greedy. Greedy is the love of having more. We live in a world, in a culture that celebrates more. You find it hard to, to let go to help others, and, and we spiritualize and go, oh, I'm just being a good steward. Like, no, you're just stingy. He says, You know what? Change heart. Jesus said it this way wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. See, if you want to see what's inside your heart, look at your words. You want to see what has your heart, look at your stuff, your finances, your money. And he would say, he would say, wherever your money goes, there your heart follows. You want to break or change a heart from greed? You have to be Generous. Now, let me give you a quick caveat on that because I think that's a big application here for you because of where we live. Do not, if you think it's about us getting money, it's not. We're doing great financially. Give somewhere else. It's about your heart and heart with God, okay? It says have a change of heart where you go, okay? I can't, but you can. God, an in invitation, change my heart. Second thing is then get God's word in your hearts, Psalm 119 says this. The author uh, writes it this way. It says, I have hidden your word, God's word, in my heart that I might not sin against you. The, the writer of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament would say it this way, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even bone and marrow and joints and ligaments uh, and it, it brings uh, revelation and conviction to our heart. Judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Get God's word in your heart. Paul, the Apostle Paul, would say it this way He says, Say, set your heart on Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated that you begin to orientate your life and go, you know what, God, would you change my heart and then I'm going to set my heart on you and I'm going to make you the object of my affection and my attention. And as you do that, you will experience a change of heart. And then finally, do a regular heart check. Do a regular heart check. Uh, the, um, Solomon, the wisest man who walked this planet wrote this above all else. Above all else. Above getting great grades. Above, you know, making sure your, your quarters end up. Above, you name it. Guard your heart. Watch over your heart. Monitor your heart. For from it flows the wellspring of life. For from it all of life all of your life flows directly from here. And you begin to monitor and you begin to check and you begin to go, you know what? Those words reveal something about here. I'm going to bring that to God. I'm going to begin to monitor my heart. Now, now some, like I said just a second ago, you need you need a heart transplant if, if we're just honest. You're here in the hope of what Jesus brought wasn't to bring a new religion, wasn't to make stuff that it all worked out, like you do these things. It's like, no, you just, you get to know me and I'll bring new life in you. I I remember having this conversation with a guy named Garvey. And Garvey was one of those guys, I mean, he was cool, he was fun, he was great. Um, You know, life of the party. He was in the, uh, he was a Navy guy and uh, awesome, awesome guy. And as we had this whole conversation uh, and got to know him, he realized there there was some deep stuff in him missing and a deep longing for God. And and so we sat in his truck after we'd gone out to a movie with some people and we're talking. And I just asked Garvey. I said, Garvey, has anybody ever told you about Jesus? And uh, he said, No. I said, would, well, would you mind if I just told you a little bit about Jesus? And he's like, Yeah, go for it. And, and so I just began to share that the God of the universe loved him so much that he came to do for him what he could never do on his own. He died on the cross that that we might experience new life in him. Rose again on the third day. That, that God loved you, that even though you might be far from God, even though you feel like your heart, like, oh, he wants to give you a new heart. In that truck, in that moment, Garvey just prayed a simple prayer and gave his life to Jesus. Here's what's amazing. I didn't tell him, okay, you know, Garvey's a sailor, so he cussed like a storm. And in certain Christian circles, that's a really bad thing. I didn't say, now Garvey, you start, you stop cussing. And Garvey threw some of the wildest and craziest parties, you know, at his house and had a lot of pretty bad stuff go on because he was like the cool guy. Garvey, you stop. I didn't say any of that. I just introduced him to Jesus, and you know what happened? He just stopped cussing all on his own, and I, I mean, we didn't even talk about it. And it wasn't like, I mean, and then one day, he's like, Ryan, this is really strange. I was throwing a party, and I didn't even like it. It's like, I don't, I don't get it. And I was thrown on one of these movies, and they would watch all kinds of gnarly stuff. Um, it's like, I just don't even like that stuff anymore. What's that about? I was like, Garvey, God's doing and giving you a heart change. And you're maybe some of you are here and you're in the place where you're heavy with, and yet there is and you need a heart change. And I invite you, you can stop this morning into a relationship with the God of the universe and experience new life and a new heart. And where you just invite him go into your life and go, God, I need a new heart. Would you give that to me? Now, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, and if you're here and you're, that's where you're at, would you just pray it along with me? Just confessing, God, I, I have a heart condition? Would you come into my heart and make me new? Would you give me a change of heart? I believe that that you came for me, that you died for me, that you rose again. And I don't get what all of that fully means, but I know I need you. Would you come into my life? I put my trust in you. And if you're and maybe prayed that prayer, Would you just let me know by kind of raising your hand? I'd love to just kind of know if anyone took that step. Praise God. Very cool. Anyone else? Praise God. Praise God. God, I pray for my friends and I pray for us as a community. That you would make us a people less concerned about all the outward, and we would guard our hearts and that you would do heart work in us. And as a result, your love and your joy and your life would pour forth through us. In Jesus' name, amen.